everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I'm Atara, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com, spelled with two E's at the end of curly and two E's at the end of girly. And I'm here with my amazing co-host and good friend, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. Hi, Atara, and hi, everyone. I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot, the only global parenting magazine, and you can find me at thebabyspot.ca. Now, we have such a great guest today. Atara, tell us who we have. So, I'm excited to welcome Natalie Silverstein to our show. Natalie is the author of Simple Acts, The Busy Family Guide to Giving Back, a critically acclaimed book about how to raise children who are kind. Natalie was featured on the Today Show and written about in numerous publications. Natalie is not only an author and speaker, she's also the co-founder of a nonprofit organization whose focus is finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. Welcome, Natalie. We are so happy to be speaking with you today. How are you? I'm good, Atara and Grace. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Pleasures are all ours. (laughs) So I love that you wrote a book about acts of kindness. You know, I often tell my children, you know, it's better to be kind than to be right. I'm wondering if you agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, You know, I think that we are just living in a time, um, unfortunately, where there's a lot of heavy stuff going on, right? And we're all very concerned about our future, about our children's future. Um, But more importantly, I I feel like I wrote the book to sort of give parents a tool in their toolbox to fight against this kind of rising tide of negativity, right? So social media and and just the media generally, um, there's a lot of negative rhetoric. There's a lot of kind of negative talk, a lot of sarcasm um, and nastiness, I think, out there. And um, luckily, I'm seeing kind of the backlash of that. I'm seeing a lot of great, maybe that's just because I surround myself with positive things, but um, I'm seeing kind of a rise in a kindness and a positivity movement, a mindfulness movement. And I think that that is so, so important because at the end of the day, um, to lead a successful life, a happy life, you need to be a kind, uh, compassionate, grateful, generous person. Um, I just believe that. Um, I think mean and unhappy people um, put that out into the world and and happy and kind and generous people put good good energy out into the world. And that's really our hope for the future, frankly. I think that's well said. I think you also said something important, you know, mean and unhappy sort of go together, don't they? A hundred percent. I say to my kids all the time, if someone is mean to you at school, if someone has bullied you or said something nasty to you, you should feel sorry for them because they are sad and unhappy and insecure. That is the truth. And I am 50 years old and I am still learning that to this day. And I believe that when people lash out at you in the parking garage or in a grocery Mm -hmm. store, or if someone is, is having a bad day, you know, there are tons of quotes out they're like, you know, everyone is fighting a hard battle. We yes. don't know what was going on with someone's life at home. Um, and so when someone is unkind to you, it's really hard because you want to lash back out and be angry and be defensive. But you should really have softness and, and compassion in your heart for them because they're clearly hurting. And I think that that helps my kids. It helps me to get through my day. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't yell at people when I'm driving. Sometimes I live in New York City, so let's be honest. But um, I, I really think that um, you know, mean people are simply unhappy people or sad or lonely people, right. and we should wish them well. And in being kind to them, maybe we are providing them with an out, with an opportunity to change that narrative for themselves. 
Wow, that's so powerful. Now, if, let's begin at the beginning. So it's interesting because you seem to be a person who's always in acts of service, helping others. And we understand that you were in health management, but then you, isn't that neat? So there's always, always giving to others, but then you switched gears and you changed careers. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it kind of starts way back when I was a kid. I actually had scoliosis as a young person when I was oh, wow. going through puberty, which is just a curvature of the spine. It's not a huge deal. Right. Um, luckily for me, some people do have surgery and things, but I ended up having to wear a brace for three years. And so yes. I was frequently in the hospital. I was at a children's hospital, which used to be called Newington Children's Hospital in Connecticut. I think it's now the Connecticut Children's Hospital. And so I was just there a lot. And I was interacting with physicians and office staff and physical therapists and things like that. And I, I kind of just fell in love with that environment. I know that sounds insane. I mean, no. I guess I had the good fortune of being a person who was well, um, but, yeah. all, but visiting a healthcare facility. And I thought I would love to work in a place like this, where we're, you know, where people are just trying to make others lives better and trying to bring comfort. And so I got it in my head through high school that I would major in health policy and administration. I wanted to work in healthcare, but not as a clinician. I didn't think that I had the capacity um, or the patience, frankly. I have so, so much respect for people who work in the direct care environment, nurses, physical therapists, and doctors, and, and all of those folks. I just didn't think that was for me. But in working in healthcare administration, I could make an impact. I could make a positive impact on others' lives and work in an office setting, which was more comfortable for me. So <laughs> yes. my undergraduate is in health policy, and then I went on. I worked in hospitals for a while, and I went on to get a master's degree at Yale in public health, again, with an emphasis on, on management and policy, um, you know, with the hopes and many of my classmates went on to do extraordinary things, you know, run Doctors Without Borders and things like that, um, you know, really with a focus on how can we approach healthcare and making people's lives better from a business um, administrative perspective. So I did that work for 15 years and then I had three kids. Um, and so the reality is I tried really hard as many do to stay in the workforce after my first child, after my second child, I started working for in consulting, um, for myself, um, sort of freelancing. And that gave me flexibility. Once the third child came around, it seemed, you know, more realistic to stay home with them and to try and make an impact in, in other ways. And so I started doing a lot of work in philanthropy and volunteering raised a ton of money for my kids' schools and other charities. Um, and so I had the good fortune, uh, certainly the privilege of being able to stay home with my children while my husband worked outside of the home. And then I really just got involved in this work in, in family service. Uh-huh. But what, where was the point where you said, okay, I'm going to take all these ideas about acts of kindness and acts of service, and I'm going to actually turn that into a book and a tool for others to use? How did that come about? Well, it was it was uh, a little bit of an evolution. So um, again, have to go back a tiny bit. My kids were young, and I was looking for ways to volunteer with them in the community. Mm -hmm. We live in Manhattan, in New York City, and I was sort of astounded and dumbfounded that there were very few organizations that would take us as a family um, as volunteers because my kids were, let's call it like nine, seven, and three. Um, okay. And I appreciate that many nonprofits have rules around age limits be for very good reasons, um, liability. And 
and other, you know, productivity issues. But right. I was just, I was, ref I refused to believe that we as a family couldn't contribute meaningfully in our community. And I know that there are lots of folks in need in our city right. um, and uh, lots of organizations that could use our help. So I was looking for an opportunity to create a listing or some repository of, of places that would accept us as volunteers. And I stumbled upon doing good together. So they are a big part of my story. Doing Good Together is a national nonprofit. It's based in Minneapolis. Okay. It's doinggoodtogether.org. And it's just a wonderful resource. It's been around for about 15 years. It, their mission is super elegant and brilliant. It is helping families raise kids who care and contribute. That's wow. it. And I just thought that was amazing. And I reached out to the founder and I said, I want to kind of franchise what you're doing. I want to create yes. a listing of family-friendly volunteer opportunities here in New York City. And of course, it was one of these miraculous moments where the founder, Jenny Friedman, was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And <laughs> after I launched the New York affiliate as a volunteer, I do this work as a volunteer, mm -hmm. we now have eight or nine other cities across the country. Mm -hmm. um, and through that work, I had the opportunity to meet families. I was invited to speak at churches and synagogues and Girl Scout troops and schools and to speak with educators and parents and children. And I became sort of de facto the like, you know, kindness lady in my community. Uh, so <laughs> wow. people would approach me and, you know, my kids bar mitzvahs next year. What kind of project should we do? And wow. um, so it became, I became like the service lady uh -huh. um, and I loved it. And it, it finally felt um, meaningful to me. It was a way for me to use my passion and my interest for my own family mm -hmm. and to share this. I didn't want to keep hoard this information for myself. Right. I wanted to share it with others. And people were clearly, um, that's the bottom line. Every time I met a, a parent, every time I spoke to a group, people were nodding their heads. They were coming up to me after they were asking me for ideas. People are desperate for this information. Yes. They just don't have the time or the wherewithal or the bandwidth to figure out how to find it online. It's all there um, if yes. you know where to, where to look. In different so, places. Um, so you in compiled places. it into one place. But I decided to put it all in one place. And so I'm a writer and I enjoy writing and I've been doing creative writing for, you know, I've been part of a workshop for five or six years. And I said, there's a book in this and there is a meaningful um, guidebook for folks that's really prescriptive, that's really <clears throat> gives step-by-step -step ideas and tips and suggestions for people to inspire them. This is not exhaustive, obviously, but I wanted people to see this as something that they can incorporate into their very busy everyday lives, into the things that they're already doing. And so I wrote the book, and of course, that's a journey, and it was two years, and a publisher finally <laughs> plucked it out of the garbage and, uh, yes. and published it, and it's been, it's really resonated, and it's been very well received, and now I'm very hopeful, fingers crossed, that I'll be able to write the second iteration, which will be Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide to Giving Back, wow. um, because this book is really focused on young families. Mm -hmm. And immediately after I had this, after I published this book, everyone said to me, this is great. What about teenagers? Um, and I happen to have two, almost three teenagers in my house. So uh, I think I consider myself a, a little bit of an expert. So I'm hoping to write that book as well. Wow. I, I mean, wow. this really does resonate with me because I too live in Manhattan. I too have three kids and I am also always trying to find things for them to do. And you are right. It is not that simple. 
You know, you bring young kids into, you know, places and they say, "Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) You know, she could sit on the side and, you know, maybe the bigger ones can help. We're not sure. So I've encountered that a lot. And so I I myself would, would love this book. I'm curious if you can tell me, like, what is, like, give me, like, three simple um, service acts that a family could do? Sure. Well, listen, I, I always tell people it's never too early to start. So even right, if yes. your kids are very, very mm-hmm. young, um, you know, I get that feedback a lot. Like, oh, well, they're too little. They can't possibly do anything. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't agree with that. I think mm-hmm. that um, we need to start before they're even sort of conscious of it because yes. it is setting a tone and giving them the tools, the language around this, this work. So yes. for very young families, I talk about, I get it. You can't go out and work at the soup kitchen. But what you can do is have a stack of construction paper and crayons at your dining table. You know, kids are sitting there with their their knife and their fork waiting for food to be served like it's a restaurant. You can have them be um, coloring, drawing, making cards, making pictures, and those can be donated to children who are hospitalized, to our active duty military. You can bring them to a local nursing home around Valentine's Day. There are lots of, I call them kitchen table kindness activities. And I have a ton of them in the book that are literally hands-on arts and crafts projects. Because P.S., you're already doing a lot of arts and crafts, right? right? I want to remind you, you're already drawing. You're already making, you know, paper and and crayon. This is all over your house. Why can't some of that energy be directed towards giving to others? And then taking your children to the nursing home. Any nursing home will welcome any child to come and give out cards or give out paper flowers um, and that sort of thing. I think doing a play date in the park with other families and doing a quick park cleanup, you know, bringing some garbage bags and some gloves and doing a little game, you know, the kids against the adults who can pick up more garbage. And then... P.S. At the end of that, you put the garbage away, you take your gloves off, you bring out the balls and the picnic baskets. It's just kind of reminding the kids that this green space belongs to all of us and that it's our responsibility to keep it clean. And what we bring in, we take back out. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's any number of things you can do with slightly older children. Of course, working in a soup kitchen, um, bringing bringing donations to a food pantry, again, visiting the elderly. I mean, you know, I have tons and tons of ideas, but there are organizations in your community, regardless of where you live, that would welcome your time, your compassion, your kids' artwork, you know, any number of these things. I think at the end of the day, it's just sort of keeping an open heart and an open mind to the possibilities and just being mindful that this is important work and this is something we should be engaged in. Yeah, I See, love I this love idea. That. I love it so much because not only is it connecting to the community where, you know, these people are in need, but also your children get the privilege to be around the elderly. They get the privilege to be around people with special needs. They get the privilege of uh, getting to know people who happen to be homeless. And what it is, is it's connecting the community and realizing that we're we're closer to one another than we think. Of course. And we're more similar than we are different, right? We talk a lot about bullying and diversity and inclusion. I would suggest to you, you cannot teach a kid in the abstract about other people, the othering of people, the language that we use. 
you have to connect to people on a personal level. You have to make eye contact with people. You have to know how to talk to people and greet them and be respectful. Um, these are all things that we teach by example, I hope, in our day-to-day yes. -day lives, which is really a big theme of the book. These are simple acts of kindness that you're just doing as you walk through your day while you're showing your child, you know, you hold the door for the person behind you. You yes. say thank you to the doorman with his, his or her name. You, you thank the person behind the counter and, you know, the few pennies that you get as change, you, you give them to your child and let them put in the cup that says college fund on it. You know, these are acts of kindness and human connection that do make a difference for the person receiving them, but it also makes you feel really great. I think you said it right there, you know, the privilege of giving back, the privilege of, of meeting and interacting with others. You know, this is scientifically proven. Volunteers are happier, they are healthier, they live longer. Kids who volunteer do better in school. They engage in less risky behaviors. They feel more self-confident. We have a crisis of mental health illness in this country of, yes. among young people, right? What could be better than teaching a child to get out of their own head and to connect with other people, to feel less lonely in this world? There is something called a helper's high. It's real and it's mm -hmm. been scientifically proven. Wow. And I, I feel this all the time for myself. You do something nice for someone else. You feel great. At the end of the day, it's about helping others and being, being a blessing to others and contributing to our community and, and providing for the needs of those who, who, who have needs. But then we also take away so much. The giver almost gets more than the yeah. receiver. And what a gift to give your kids, right? We're, yeah. you know, selfishness and bullying and, and self, you know, this kind of selfie generation. Like, I think the greatest tool we have to combat all of that is, is service to others. I think it's obvious. It's That's so awesome. clear, you know. Yeah. I, I also like what you said that, you know, you're never too young to start because I always say that, you know, you have to change inner dialogue of children when they're really young. You cannot just wake up a 17-year-old and say, okay, time to volunteer. <laughs> or, or I have my hours. I have to do my hours now. I'm in, I'm in high school. I got to get my hours. I absolutely hate that language. And if families don't engage in this work when kids are little and they're waking up to it when kids there's are in middle time. school, it's fine. It's not, there's no guilt here. There's, it's never too late. You can change your behavior. You can change your life. You can change your perspective today. Every day is a new opportunity. I'm just a believer, and the book covers this because it's geared towards young families, that, you know, you're pregnant with a baby and you have a naming um, ceremony or christening yes. or a bris. You know, you can incorporate tiny little giving back moments into that occasion. You can plant a tree. You can set an example for the others in your family and for this child who is not conscious yet of, of what's going on, that this is how we're going to operate in the world. This is who we are. You know, I, I was spoke at a, a thing recently where a, a woman raised her hand and said, you know, it's funny, I, I have such warm memories of childhood of doing this work with my family, and I don't actually remember how it started. Oh, wow. And I just know that we always did that. Wow. And I said, you just you, that's that's it. That's the nail on the head, right? right? That it was not something that just happened one day that you made this decision. Your family always did it this way. Right. And so mm -hmm. that's how you remember it from growing up. That's what we want for our kids. And so it's really, it's really never too young. I have a whole chapter in there where I talk about the tiny little milestones in a baby's life, you know, first steps, 
lost tooth, first day of nursery school, your child's not going to remember those things. But if you can figure out a way to incorporate some small act of kindness or service, buy a pair of shoes for an organization that collects shoes for the third world when the child starts walking uh, or donate, you know, the the old shoes that you've barely walked, you know, barely used. You know, when a child loses their first tooth, donate some toothbrushes to the local homeless shelter, which is an item that's always in need. If you remind your kid over time, this is what we do when we lose a tooth, then that becomes the thing they remember about losing their tooth, right? Uh, Um, Not about the $20 they got under the pillow. Right, 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 Right. exactly. Yeah. So how can we incorporate these acts of kindness in the school setting? And are are you working on that? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of schools have their own programs. Certainly public schools in New York City have um, a program that they're supposed to be using from the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. I do speak to schools frequently. Typically, it's about helping slightly older children to find opportunities in the community um, that they can do outside of of school. Listen, I think that service learning, which is the language that we're trying to move towards, which is how, how do we talk about community needs and ways that we might address them and incorporate that into the curriculum. That's not something I can really impact as a, you know, as a layperson. Um, but that said, I am invited all the time to come to PA meetings and to speak to kids and certainly in middle school settings to talk about this work, you know, what I've just shared with you and how important it is to think about it um, when you're at home and when you're on your quote unquote free time. Um, we prioritize a lot of things for our kids outside of school, um, lessons and right. sports and ballet and instruments and tutoring and ice skating and you name it. Um, Thousands of things that we manage to find a lot of time for. for, um, But we don't manage to carve out an hour um, every other week or once a month on a weekend to go and volunteer in the community. And so that's really, you know, prioritizing and living our values and showing our kids what we think is is most important. Um, And so I think the school, your school environment should support what you do at home and vice versa. Um, And certainly your child can go to school when there's, you know, unfortunately a tragic natural disaster, certainly what's happening in Australia, climate change. You know, I think there is a lot of talk about this at school and certainly if they're doing anything with the the current news. Um, And when kids come home curious about issues like this, I think that is a ripe opportunity to go online and look for organizations that are helping. Look for the helpers, like Mr. Rogers said, right? Oh, um, so, quote. yeah, go, you know, if the kid comes home and says, we talked about, you know, the Australian bushfires and it's so upsetting and we've lost a billion animals, right? Kids love animals. Yes. Okay, so let's go online and let's look and see what are the grassroots organizations on the ground in Australia that are rescuing these koalas and these kangaroos and how can we help them? And this is not just about financial donation. I, I appreciate that these organizations need money, um, but your kids can, can educate themselves. They can write letters. They can send care packages. You know, there's, there's other stuff that people can do um, to support what they're learning at school. No, I, I really like these ideas, right, Grace? There's so much oh. we can learn from as parents here. There is so much, and there's always um, an act of kindness you can do that fits the niche of your family, right? Like if you have a young, 
Exactly. Like if you have children that are five and six years old and they might not be able to um, hand out food at a soup kitchen, a kitchen, they can definitely, you know, like you said, come up with these fantastic cards on Valentine's Day, which is uh, coming up to give to the elderly, or they can uh, just give acts of kindness in different ways. So, I mean, it is just so powerful. And, you know, as you have done, Natalie, throughout your life, acts of service and kindness, um, Parkinson's disease, very close to my heart, very close to millions of other people's hearts around the world. Um, such a huge uh, challenge for the people who have Parkinson's disease and their families. Let's talk about it for a moment. Yeah, how did how you did, get involved in that? Yes, how did you get involved? So, um, unfortunately, my very young husband was diagnosed with an early onset uh type of Parkinson's. It's a genetic form. Um, prior to the age of 50, he was he was just not quite 50 mm-hmm. when he was diagnosed. Um, so he is a genetic carrier of this mutation um, that is rare, uh, very rare, in fact, um, typically. So this was um, unfortunate and, and obviously very difficult for, for our young family. Um, my kids are now uh, 19, 16, and 12, um, but he was diagnosed, you know, nearly four or five years ago. So, so yes. you know, listen, that's a challenge. And um, I'm a big believer that you can sit back and let something happen to you and and just sort of um, wait for whatever is going to happen. Or you can um, kind of take charge of your destiny and uh, be as positive as possible and try and make a difference for yourself and for others. And so my husband is kind of uniquely positioned to potentially make an impact in this space. He happens to be a healthcare venture capitalist. Um, He works here in New York City. He's a person of some renown. He's been on the Midas list of um, venture capitalists for seven years, which is really people who work at a, you know, at a high level in terms of investing in companies that, in his case, are coming up with cures for diseases. And in fact, his particular niche was rare diseases, orphan diseases, orphan drugs. So um, he's been involved in some drugs that have cured, you know, incredibly rare, rare diseases. So he is connected to many very brilliant scientists. He is not a scientist by background, but his his firm employs uh, people with multiple degrees in science, uh, medical doctors, PhDs. He's also connected to to biopharmaceutical companies, et cetera, and to other venture capitalists. And so um, after his diagnosis, we obviously took some time to process that and to deal with it. Um, but we decided that it is antithetical to sadness and depression to get up and start something and work towards a goal. And so our goal in founding um, the Silverstein Foundation for Parkinson's with GBA um, is to find a cure for his particular subtype, um, yes. which is genetic, as I mentioned. So it may have, um, you know, there may be some applications, gene therapy and other things that are specific to his kind. But I just want to point out that anything that we figure out uh, is going to be applicable to all Parkinson's sufferers, most of whom are um, just um, idiopathic, it's meaning they're non-genetic forms, but also other neurodegenerative diseases, right? So we are on the verge of finding cures for um, muscular sclerosis, uh, Alzheimer's, you know, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, Many, many neurodegenerative diseases are going to be impacted by, particularly by gene therapy. And mm-hmm. so we're super excited about that and about a number of other um, modalities that we have um, supported through our foundation. Um, we don't actively raise money, but we've been really fortunate that people have donated to the foundation. We, we are constantly um, handing out grants. We are also in partnership with the Michael J. Fox Foundation, which, wow. of course, is the gold standard. Um, they've been around for nearly 20 years. They've raised nearly a billion 
million for research. And um, we are really proud to have partnered with them on a project specific to GBA. And through that, we've um, we've donated, we've doled out to something like 17 or 18 different entities, uh, something like three and a half million dollars. So um, yeah, we're, we're really excited um, about the work. We hope that something really meaningful comes out of it, obviously to help Jonathan. Um, yes. If it doesn't end up helping Jonathan, but it helps others down the road, that, that would be uh, a great outcome as well. Um, you know, life is hard and yes. things happen. And the truth is it's, it's sad and unfortunate that this happened to my husband and to our family as such a young man, but there's something that's going to happen to all of our families. Unfortunately, um, you know, disease and, and struggle and hardship, unfortunately befall, um, all of us in one way or the other, we're all, we are, we are, this is happening to us now. And we hope that, um, folks will, will rally around us as they have our community. And the truth is we are here for everyone in our community, um, when things happen to them because inevitably they do and they will. So, um, I hope I'm just teaching my kids that, um, you can stay positive and resilient in the face of a very difficult diagnosis and that life is imminently worth living and joyful under all circumstances if you um, if you look for the joy. Yeah. And look at all these wonderful things that you're able to still do. So I think that must be so powerful for your children to see that, you know, I'm sure you have your down moments, but overall you're really moving forward in every possible way. You have to. I mean, my favorite line from that movie, um, Shawshank, is, you know, you get busy living or get busy dying, right? Right. Yes. We're, all di- we're all dying every day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> None of us are going to outlive this life. Right. Um, you know, we all have struggles. We all have physical struggles. We all have family with, with health concerns. Right. Um, it is literally, and I hope, again, this is the lesson for our kids, is how you deal with it, how you approach it, how you handle it, how, it le- how you let it affect you on a day-to-day basis, it makes the difference in how you, how you live your life and, and how happy you are um, at the end of the day. And so, um, you know, yeah, I, I, the, other, the other thing that you mentioned that is so true is it isn't a coincidence to me in this sort of cosmic, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that this happened to our family. It was a significant challenge. We started our foundation. I also, P.S., had a, a lifetime of experience in healthcare management and nonprofit right. management. <laughs> so right. I run our foundation, which is weird that I just happened to have this right. skill set. Oh, you know, it's so interesting. He, you know, he could have been married to a, you know, a painter who wouldn't have known how to run a, found, a nonprofit foundation. Right. He happened <laughs> right. to marry me, and I have a, ma- a master's in public health. But um, I also, it's interesting that the book came to fruition in the last couple of years that I've had these wonderful opportunities to go out and share this really positive message. I've had something that's been for me, you know, all about me and my work and my passion and, and what I love to do and, and something that I can share with others so that it's given me just something really positive to focus on. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. It sounds almost like, you know, the healing and the tools were set into place before the difficulties were even there. And so then, right? Uh, Listen, life would be wonderful even without my book and without these great opportunities like speaking to you this morning. Mm -hmm. But the truth is having this is, I'm not going to call it a distraction. This is my work. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love doing. And, And I'm just grateful that the universe provided this to me at a time when I could have gotten sucked into this other difficult situation facing right. my family. I'm still dealing with that at a very high level on a day-to-day basis, yes. but I have this other really wonderful thing that's all mine 
to focus on. And I, and I'm really just, just so happy that I have it, you know, and it's, it's wonderful. We're so happy to have had you on. I want to, I want to be able to have our audience, um, donate and contribute if they would like to, to the Parkinson's. So tell us where to find the organization. Sure. So that is just, um, silversteinfoundation.org. Okay. Okay. Silversteinfoundation.org. So my name, foundation.org. Okay. We'll put that in our show notes, Grace, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, my book has simpleaxeguide.com. That's my book website, which has a lot of my writing, which is both personal writing and parenting writing and essays I've written about sending my daughter to college and, oh, you know, that's all awesome. of that good stuff. Um, so simpleaxeguide.com. And then of course, doing good together, which really started it all for me, um, is a fantastic, tremendous resource for every parent out there, no matter what the age of your child. And that's doing good together.org. Oh, I'm so excited about everything. Natalie, what an inspirational person. You are going to make um, our audience feel like they can make a change. You're inspiring people across the country and possibly even around the world. Like, we can't thank you enough for coming. No, on thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. It's really been such a pleasure. This kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you know what's for me like so inspirational is really just to feel like, you know, you are really special in so many ways, but you're also everybody, right? Everybody can do this. Everybody can tap into this specialness inside of them and really take that to the next level in a small way in their family and outside their family. It doesn't have to be a huge splash, but it could still be so impactful to those around them. So. Right. And, and, you know, and again, it makes you feel so good. I mean, we really do walk through life with so many burdens, personal yes. and sort of we, we all worry so much about our country and our world. Yes. If this is something that can kind of lighten that burden and make you feel better about yourself and make your kids feel better, make your family happier and healthier and, and more connected. I don't know why you wouldn't. I don't know why you wouldn't Absolutely. do it. <laughs> so true. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on, Natalie. It's really been our pleasure to have you. Um, and we look forward to seeing uh, where you go next, because I'm sure Thank there's more to so come. Thank you so much. It was so <laughs> great right. to talk to you guys. Thank you for having uh, me. Thanks, Take care. Natalie. Bye for now. Bye for now.